Welcome back to Hunkering Down with Peter Schorsch. Uh, we are one week out from the election, and so all of the political consultants who have been on the previous episodes are getting out the last batch of direct mail and cutting their final ads. But I, uh, so I wanted to have somebody who is familiar with it, but a little bit, you know, taking a step back from it. And that is uh, Adam Smith, the former political editor at the Tampa Bay Times and now communications director for Tampa Mayor uh, Jane Castor. Adam, how are you? Good, thanks for letting a has-been hunker down with you. It's gotta be relaxing, right? Not having to like, you're not like an accountant looking at April 15th anymore, right? I mean, next Tuesday, next Wednesday, everything will be, you know, basically peaceful in your world. Yeah, but honestly, when I when it, when I was covering elections fanatically, uh, the final week was sort of a slowdown anyway. It yeah, was sort of. It had all been done. You weren't going to probably be breaking any dramatic, interesting stories. You're going to be, you're going to be parsing bullshit spin, uh, early vote analyses from various uh, consultants and that kind of thing. Well, I, I, I want to catch up with you just to get some of that meta perspective. Um, is there, you know, like, you know, put your former reportering cap on. We don't want to talk about the Tampa Bay Times one way or the other. Um, I know you wouldn't be that uh, gauche, but what is a newspaper looking for in this final week? Because it's very different, obviously, than what Florida politics you know, I think we're kind of like fantasy football and you're kind of like actual football. Um, what are what is a newspaper looking to get to its readers a, a week out? I mean, are, are you trying to set the table I still? I, I think hopefully just really basic information about the candidates, honestly. I mean, not to sound corny, but I think to some extent, um, you know, a lot of people are just tuning in. They don't you know, regular normal people aren't reading um, uh, sun, whatever the hell you call it. Uh, sunburn. Sunburn. <laughs> sunburn. I don't know. Sorry. Sunburn every morning and not reading uh, Florida politics, uh, you know, refreshing every day. So there's a lot of there are a lot of big races that haven't gotten a lot of coverage and people are just tuning in now that they've gotten their mail in ballots. So I don't think it's too late for them to start uh, just giving some basic info. I always found, or I thought it was uh, interesting, and this is like from a bygone era. Um, if you remember like the Tampa Bay Times, or the, I think it was the St. Pete Times, there was some controversy about the Rick Baker, Kathleen Ford, and about how some stuff broke at the last minute. And the Times was like, hey, we're not getting into it with like three days because we don't have the, you know, we just don't have the wherewithal to check this all out. Did you, in your time, did you ever have a, like a, like if you were given an oppo file, did you say, hey, listen, it's Thursday, uh, the weekend before the election, this should have been to us before. Did that situation even arise? In, oh, yeah. In Remember your there was a great drama. Remember the Gallagher-Christ primary? Sure. That would have been uh, 2006, maybe. And Gallagher was trying to release uh, anonymously this was sort of the early internet, I think. Um, and forgive me, I'm gonna just get these details wrong all the time in this, but he was trying to release this business about Chris having a uh, child 
Oh and yeah. And they, yes. they were emailing it around. I, mean, that was, I guess before you could post it, they were emailing it all around. And we went through a lot of uh, anxiety and hand wringing over whether in that final weekend or in the final week we could report the sensational stuff. And I think we did end up reporting some of it and then subsequently went to oust the person that was anonymously spreading it. Um, so but yeah, that was a huge thing. Oh no, you can never, you know, that was still when the mainstream media kind of were gatekeepers and could decide what should be printed and not printed in the days before an election. I, um, you know, you and I've had a, a fun and complicated history. I was on with, so after I did the, the, after I got the scoop on the, the Trump thing last week, Huge you know, there were, few, on that. thank you. Uh, there were a few profiles, uh, done and, um, one of them was by Tom Jones over at pointer and he did one. And then he, he, he wrote about this. He took it down for a little bit because he got so much pushback from internally at pointer and, and the times then that he wanted to add a little bit of context about my relationship with the times. Um, and I thought that that was interesting. And I, I say all of that to say, like, I, I have to kiss your ass here and say, man, you came up with so much stuff during your time as the political editor, um, you know, political connections on Bay News 9. I mean, you launched, helped launch that. You helped launch the Buzz blog. You helped launch, you know, the uh, winner of the week. And so my question out of all of that is, what of those, what of your, of your creatures um, did you, of your creations, did you uh, really enjoy doing the most? The Buzz blog, did you enjoy the winner? And loser of the week, um, you know that kind of thing. I mean, most of that stuff was just uh, ripped off from other people that had sort of <laughs> done it. But uh, I, I enjoyed all of that for the most part. I really liked TV in a weird way. Uh, I really, it was just a different skill set. And those interviews, I, I mean, I liked all of that. But it was, it was interesting. If you had a ten minutes to interview a politician, and you're, and there's a real time limit, you know, you really are trying to make some news and generate something that is newsy uh that was just that was a fun skill to develop and the candidates were scared of it i know because we were like on the other side of it um during my consulting days and you would basically you would talk to like a candidate like like a a, a dennis jones or a frank farkas you know maybe once a campaign cycle and we would prep for it like it was a debate, you know, like because we knew this was the one shot at, you know, earned media and TV um, and everybody watches Bay News 9. And it's like, I actually I can't believe it It hasn't been kind of replicated. Uh, I mean, Evan Donovan does a, a good job with Channel 8, but even at that, um, like he gets bumped, you know, for like the Tour de France. Um, and I just, I, I, I wish, I, I don't understand why there isn't more TV coverage in, in the market, more serious, like of that stuff, uh, you know, there's Florida this week, but that comes on what Fridays at eight 30. I mean, um, so yeah. again, leading all of that, you and I've had some conversations offline. What is your assessment of the state of local journalism, political journalism right now? now that you're on the other side and having to pitch and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think, 
you know, first of all, I don't want to be dissing anybody, but I mean, I right. think the coverage out of Tallahassee, it's not what it used to be. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily way worse. Uh, and it's way more insidery, you know, geared toward lobbyists and consultants probably, but it's still, I think, robust, what the, the news about state government. But I, I do think, you know, Tampa Bay and most of the markets in Florida, most of the big markets in Florida are a lot luckier than most of the country. But I think we're in a very dangerous, dangerous time for democracy when local governments are being all but ignored or close to being all but ignored. I wish I remember when Florida politics or St. Peter's blog, your planned model was to really own Tampa Bay politics. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And then you learn the money is really in Tallahassee and you still uh, do a good job on local government, local politics. But I wish, you know, I wish there was, you know, the Tampa Bay Times is not what it used to be in terms of resources. And they're, so they're here, there are new sites like Catalyst, you guys. But yeah, I, I really worry about the lack of uh, local coverage. I mean, I, when I covered St. Pete City Hall, I lived there yeah, and was really interested in everything that happened in every little tiny nook and cranny. And it's not like there's less going on in the, I mean, like you look at the city of St. Pete, you look at the city of Tampa, you know, Ken Welch made a monster decision about um, a development deal. You know, the idea of shuttling, uh, of not letting Moffitt build the, uh, development in downtown. I mean, that's a multi, that's a, that's a nine figure decision that one man essentially made right there. And there really wasn't any coverage coverage. I mean, it should have been a consequential decision that, you know, there were, that should have been like 12 articles about it and it shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah, be a, People, you could do a great TikTok on what happened. Remember right. that, that was the kind of thing you'd see. I'm not dissing anybody. Colin Wright's a great reporter, but, uh, that was a huge ballsy decision no and i i've learned to you know i think the times i don't think it's um i don't think it's bad i think it's i think it's a choice i think that you know with less resources like all newspapers they've got to make the decision to all right well we can do this and we can do that but we can't you know it's very you know we can't do certain things um speaking I, of know, i'm a big fan of Paul Tash, the former publisher, yeah. and I, I always will be. Uh, I think he was a giant. He was inspiring to me personally. And I think most of the people at the Times were very happy that Conan is the new uh, CEO there. He's just a good guy with good values. But I, I, I did ask them this at Tiger Bay. I moderated when they were doing their sort of past the torch tour. Um, What's more valuable to the community, the hundreds of thousands of dollars you spend on a Pulitzer about a uh, smelting, or is it covering your school boards and your county commissions in a way that people can know what's going on? I, I think the latter is more important. I wish they would. I, I always liked it. And I told somebody this may happen in um, like the Times and probably you. I, I, and I don't think there was anything officially. We just felt it on the consulting side. That, that somebody had been made a project. I remember the first time I saw it, it was the person who was running against Irene Sullivan, a judge. And suddenly I think like Robin Blumner, who was a reporter, as you know, but for the audience was a 
a brilliant kind of like legal reporter. Um, and she would write about judicial candidates and stuff like that. And there was like 10 articles about this one judicial race. And there were multiple races. Just suddenly this one became interesting. And and there would always, you know, the Times to its credit, um, you know, Daniel Ruth and um, and I forgot who won the other one uh, when they won the Pulitzer for really taking out Neil Brickfield and Nancy Bostock because of the fluoride mm-hmm. in the water decision. But, and Nick, excuse me. And it's, um, you know, like when you see those projects, I wonder if the Times, if Anna Polina Luna wins the Republican primary for CD13, if they're going to make her a project like that's still a Republican district. But I just wonder if they go to work and can do 12 like I what are they possessive enough about the congressional district that's been only held by Bill Young and Charlie Crist over the last 50 years and David Jolly, whether or not they want that to go to such a Trumpian DeSantis acolyte. Um, like well, here's the even- cynical view. I, I remember when the when the Herald would here and there win a Pulitzer, my cynical take and some other uh, equally jerky T- Tampa Bay Times people would say, well, yeah, you're going to win a Pulitzer off of police shootings when you don't cover the police department on a regular basis. If we had three police shootings in a month in St. Huh. Petersburg or Tampa, we'd be all over that. We wouldn't be, you know, waiting three years to do a database of all the shootings. And then, uh, but that is the potential with a, let's say, a Anna Paula Luna. You don't really cover her until she's in Congress and then you cover the hell out of her. Um, what made, you know, what made you make the transition from, not from uh, journalism to public affairs, but from public affairs into government? Like what was, um, what was the motivation to make that big move? You know, it was totally, it was the last minute and not planned. And I had worked a little bit on the Jane Castor campaign. And I knew my very talented, uh, after my very talented predecessor, Ashley Bauman was leaving, they were looking for people and they, they I, I was recommending people for the job. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I the more I learned about the job, and it wasn't exactly as I had thought it was going to be. The more appealing it sounded, and uh, I remember my boss uh, Ashley Walker saying, "Oh, you're going to be so bored, huh. you know, do, doing government." And not at all. It's very. It's a blast, and it's fun, and there's a lot of adrenaline spikes, and there's a, just a lot of good stuff going on, and the city's exciting. I think Florida's got this his not history, but like. The mayors are, are to me, the most fascinating of the politicians. I mean, the, the state lawmakers, by and large, are just kind of party votes. It's rare that you get, I don't know, a Mike Fasano or anybody that, you know, surprises you anymore. Um, I think the congressional district is our congressional delegation is, is you know, there's some interesting characters in that one. Um, I think Stephanie Murphy's very interesting. But, you know, by and large, it's mostly the Bill Posey's and uh, of the world that really don't really don't stand out. But I think the mayors, Republican and Democrat, you know, you got Curry in Jacksonville, you got Ken Welch, Christman in St. Pete, Buddy Dyer, you know, John Daly in Tallahassee. And then, you know, I think, um, you know, I think Jane is, you know, maybe first among equals in that character uh, amongst that group, just. She may be the most fascinating of those public uh, political figures. Um, 
you know, just former police chief, you know, just prominent member of the LGBT community. I mean, um, what is it that we don't know about Jane Castor yet, though, for, you know, the statewide audience that listens to that? How would what would you say about her that way? Well, it sounds like a line that every politician says, but she really isn't a politician. She was a, a cop first and foremost, and somebody that walked the beat and got to know everybody in the neighborhood. So she's got a, a certain uh, common sense. And I think sometimes there's, I'm surprised at how many people don't know how funny she is. Uh, huh. But she is maybe the funniest person I've met in a long, long time. She is uh, a total hoot. I think she is, uh, that, that kind of makes sense from the few interactions that I've had with her. She's always been like kind of light on her feet, you know? Uh, I, like, I remember like we brought Girl Scout cookies to her and she was great then. Um, yeah. And now that you say that, that really does kind of, that kind of fits. And, and her, um, her partner, Anna Cruz is also, I think is uproariously funny. I mean, she can be tough as nails on the political scene, but I just also, I enjoy, in fact, I'll probably get off the phone with you and talk to her just because She's always interesting. That whole family, you know, is just, uh, I love, I love um, uh, Janet Cruz. Like she is just um, such a good spirit and is like yeah, maternal, really is. but modern. I mean, it's, I really enjoy talking to her. Um, How do you see that race, by the way? Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Um, this person, Jay Collins, running against um, uh, Janet Cruz. I mean, like, that's not I like, I, I mean, it's like, I've never heard of this person. Um, I will say, like, some D.C. folks who were helping with the NR, uh, the congressional arm of the Republican, they know him and say he's a really good guy. I have a feeling that no matter who the nominee at this point, and I, I still think DeSantis wins yeah. in November, I think there's going to be where there is the chance to punish Republicans at the local level. I think, I think that they will punish them. I think that there are some Republicans that will back DeSantis to a hilt, but I think like the independents that I just, I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to want some sort of check on this guy. And, and in those kind of races, I think that I actually think the Democrats might pick up a seat. Um, you know, maybe in the Senate, if um, if um, of Janelle Perez can beat Eliana Garcia, I think that that uh, or I think that that might be a pickup there. Um, but then there's some other places where like Corey Simon running in Senate District three against Loran Osley, that's going to be a tough defense. And the Republicans just have a shit ton of money. Um, and, you know, when they as you know, well, no, when they put their back into it and you've got all, all the Republicans operating as one, it's hard to, it's hard to fend them off. Um, it, yeah, so that's where I think that that one is right now. I really like Jason Pizzo. He's trying to help Janet Cruz a lot. Like he's like, while Lauren Book is tied down with this primary, uh, Pizzo's like kind of raising money and helping there. So uh, yeah, I think that they're, I think that, yeah. So hopefully she hangs well, on. Biden's helping a little bit. He no longer looks like a complete anvil around the Democratic Party. It's been uh, there's some signs of hope that the red wave for the Democrats that the red wave isn't going to be as gigantic as it might have been. Yeah, I think um, 
I, like if I had to bet right now, I still think I think Rubio is the one upset in this in the country. I think Val Demons actually gets there. If I had to bet right now, um, I think DeSantis wins, and then everything else is just probably. I mean, DeSantis so gerrymandered the congressional districts; it's going to be hard for there to be any surprises um, in that in those races. Um, Rubio is so interesting. I, I I I don't pretend that I pay as close attention as I used to. Yeah. Or, or do. But I do think people often underestimate Rubio's weakness with the base, with the Republican base. That's I. Uh, that's what I say as well. Like they never really loved Rubio, um, and they didn't love that he ran for president so early. They didn't love the Gang of Eight stuff. Like he got everyone. Really never recovered from that. I don't think. No, I don't think. And it's like, I, I right now I got to tell you, I think. I think Rubio is now veering into unlikability, um, you know, and he had always been, you know, uh, I think mistakenly portrayed as like charismatic and he was the future and on the cover of National Review and everything like that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just the the videos that he puts out and I, I don't know if you see some of them of him just kind of kind of bitching and complaining from his you know house in Miami. I, I don't know. I, uh, he just, he just doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to like the job. I mean, he's made that very clear. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Right. But he's, that he's much, maybe initially he liked it. He never really seemed to like it much. I just don't know how, uh, whether or not Florida is not racist of enough to, to elect a black woman statewide. I just, I, I, I fear that there's just too many pockets of deep racism in, in this state to to get a black woman across the uh, finish line. So that's my my big fear. Let's take a break real quick and hear from our sponsor. And we'll be right back with Adam Smith. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the last election, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Hunkering down listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Okay, we're back with Adam Smith. Uh, something I wanted to ask you about before we pivot into the races, um, I think the fascinating journalism story was the uh, was the capitalist and the, the, the pay-to-play allegations there. Um, what was your assessment of that? That issue fpnl you know the the hiring of private investigators i mean have you been tracking that one as well yeah i have i mean the the fpnl i like nobody there's been some great reporting about it but somebody uh in washington or new york ought to parachute in and do a big picture story about fpnl because they have just been for such a powerful maybe the single most important corporation in Florida, arguably politically powerful, uh, just their dark hatted behavior is just phenomenal. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, yeah. What can I say? The, the capitalist, um, you interacted with Burgess, I, Brian Burgess, the publisher of when you were still as political editor was, was that when you were, did you deal with him when, he was at Rick Scott and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I dealt with them as Rick Scott. I never had an especially combative relationship with them. I always got along well with them. Um, and then in the comms world, I dealt a little bit with the capitalists here and there. Um, you know, I, I the one thing that I don't get, and maybe you can explain it better to me, is you'll read some of these pieces that come out, let's say yeah. in the capitalist, and it's some arcane detail on sugar policy or FPNL, and it's this long diatribe about the liberal media. It's so obvious that it's paid for and written by the interest that doesn't even really do anything. I, I just don't understand that, that there are that many people that don't understand, can't read within 30 seconds and understand this is bought and paid for by so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, so I will, um, so I've had this conversation with Brian um, because, you know, we would have like, so we would get pitch stories from public affairs firms that were also advertising, you know, with us and they're like, Hey, and you know, so there isn't the direct connection between like a, you know, we're not doing it for the money, but this is also somebody that advertises with us. And I would always say, well, this is what, this is what the this is what the money is for. It has financialized the relationship, and it has put us. It has put you on our radar. Uh, and so, if I have two people pitching me that day, quite honestly, if it's a public affairs firm who I've never done business with, and a public affairs firm who is buying an ad in Influence magazine, I, I don't have. I don't. I, we know who the priority is. But Brian well, would get say, these. He would get let's these. Let's say capitalist publishes some long screed about Mary Ellen Klaus and her bias against Florida politics, about Florida power. What is that accomplishing? Like, does anybody really, what is that accomplishing? Who, who's that persuading that she's, that, you know, it's, it's obvious what's happened there. It, it doesn't. And in fact, again, like my argument to some of those people is, I don't know why you're engaging Brian to do that. Like, if you and I don't want to use uh, FPNL because they are a substantial, they're a substantial advertiser to us, and I've I've put that out there. Um, I don't really interact with anybody there, so I don't I like except on like some like on a personal level, and I, I we don't really write about utility issues because it's just not something that has come up. I think you know we would write really more on like the uh, like. If we were to write about FPNL, it would probably be something about like money that they've given or something like that. But so then yeah. we just never really intersected. But I would have these other issues. I just remember like Brian would like all of a sudden write about the subject matter and trying to persuade like lawmakers to pass something about a very specific healthcare issue. And we would have written about it like 10 times to that point. You know, we would be like, hey, the lawmakers introduced the bill. Hey, the, the, the doctors are against it. Hey, it came up here and they voted for it. And we would have all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you'd have this story pop up. Well, this is a bad bill or whatever. And I'm, I, that's when I called him. I'm like, I, I get that you got to like keep the lights on. But if you're just going to write about these like very specific arcane subject matter, like, you got to do it in a way where it's not so obvious that you're, pretend that you're covering it. Yeah. Right. right. And that was, and that's, that's not there. And it's, I will say like, so one of the things that's kind of been a challenge for me lately is so 
Ron DeSantis, of whom we are critical, but not always critical, is clearly supportive of a couple of new sites that have popped up. Um, and like they are aggressively pushing stories to these sites, which is fine. Which so that, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get you to plug them, but which I don't know. It's uh, there's a site called Florida Voice, and there's another site called Florida Standard. And so, like last Friday, Christina Pushaw, the spokesperson for DeSantis, her resignation letter was published first on this site called Florida Standard. Um, and they're always coming at us um, in the way that I used to come at you, you know, and that's kind of you set your hair on fire to get attention. Um, but the problem is, like, and I think, like, we've got 20 reporters now. And so, and we write about a bunch of shit. And, like, I think a lot of these folks, like a Brian and these news sites, is they see Florida politics and they think that it, it's a one-man band. And in reality, the success of Florida politics has nothing to do with me, had to do with, like, hiring Mitch Perry, then hiring, you know, Janelle, then, then finally getting, you know, other reporters now um and that's the strength of it and it just i see this stuff that these sites do and i i probably am like you with me where it's just like i just got to turn it on mute because um it's more annoying than anything else you and michelle ever stop and say when you're when you're at your latest ritz uh <laughs> visit or your disney cruise or whatever and say can you believe i'm now a leader in the mainstream media of the Florida press? I will say um, it is, because uh, I've had this conversation with like Gary, the fact that, and I, this is self-proclaimed, but like that I'm the leader of the Rebel Alliance now, which is what Gary kind of always fashioned himself. But like Gary, you know, with his wife working here, he kind of like, like that we're the ones that like push back against the governor's office that, that, that we're the like I like when people get laid off that we hire them and or we put them someplace or we get them freelance work, um, you know, that we file lawsuits for First Amendment stuff, you know, like that, that that is my role now that me and Matt Dixon will team up against, you know, a, a spokesperson who is picking on somebody like when Farrington, Brendan Farrington, our mutual friend, when he was getting crushed, you know, I, I I felt a moral obligation to kind of come to his defense because and I tell our, our our team I'm like I can take it um, like I don't care what they say about me my mugshot's been on the front page of a newspaper you know like it doesn't matter and so I feel like that's interesting but I said to Michelle this weekend at a resort hotel um, I feel uh, we're at our strongest point but I also feel like we're at our most vulnerable because when you have so much going on. And it was really why I was kind of reluctant about the Trump thing. You know, remember when I got the Bill Young death wrong? Like, it's like, imagine if the FBI hadn't raided it and I had just put that out there and it had gone national. It's like the the risk. So the way, and the I was on a college tour with my daughter after you, and my phone was blowing up and I was trying to not pick it up because I had Bill Young's family wanting me to set the record straight that Bill Young was barely alive still. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, you interrupted my college tour on that boo-boo. That was, I'm, and I've said this before, I mean, his family told me he was dead. This wasn't like I was making it up. It's like his family called and they're like, hey, he just well, died. He was a complicated I, family. But then you come to realize after 
after he had passed, you come to realize how complicated that family was and that there were different parts of that family. But I remember getting the call from David Jolly and he's like, hey, you got to take that back. I'm like, take it back. Like Luke Russert just retweeted it. It's everywhere. Uh, and it's just, God, the egg on my face. And so um, it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we get it, what's funny nowadays is, is I can't tell you how many like lawyer letters we have to, that we, not lawyer letters, like how much we pay to the lawyers protecting us on like defamation suits. Like people will just like, well, they didn't like the story, you know, like, well, like this guy that ran against uh, uh, Chad Cronister, uh, that and it was a story by Janelle Irwin. Like he got like I don't I don't remember what happened, but he got like thrown off the force or something. And we we got the documents and we reported it. Well, he ended up suing Cronister and us, and like that happens all the time. And I, I like I'm amazed by it. Like where you're like that people they, these candidates they don't they think that something negative that's reported about them is defamation. We have a candidate right now running against Vern Buchanan. A police report was filed by his ex-girlfriend and she on the record told us that he was suicidal. We wrote about the police report and the and the suicidal uh, comments among other things. And he was just like, I'll see you in court. And we're like, I don't think you understand how court works. And so that's been one of the like really interesting uh, aspects of the job, over, especially during campaign season is just, we probably dealt with like 10 lawsuits like that um, this cycle. That you're, that makes me actually miss it. <laughs> the candidates have not gotten any better or worse. There's, you know, they're, they're, they're just all like, we had, we had a candidate, you would love this. So there's a race in central Florida for Stephanie Murphy's seat, CD seven. Uh, there's like 19 Republicans running for it. One of these guys, I think is, I don't, I think his name is David or his last name is Santos. He put out and he's like, like a relatively sane member. He's not like Anthony Sabatini or anything like that. He's just a relatively decent person. He sent out a press release yesterday. He completely made up, completely made up a poll from Harvard University. Like he put a press release, the Harvard Business School, and I'm looking at it. I'm, I send it over to Scott Powers. I'm like, hey, man, this is weird. This guy is saying that he's ahead. I don't show that in our polling. Can you check it out? Scott, to his credit, you know, he didn't just regurgitate the story about the poll. He calls the Harvard Business School or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you're going to get a comment from. And the guy, like, there is no Harvard Business School poll. There's nothing. The guy just, like, completely made this entire thing up um and 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 pitched it and i'm i'm still amazed at how brazen that is we're like the only people that would cover it anyways and i'm just like i don't know what he thought to accomplish and that shit happens all the time there are just so many crazy uh candidates still in it it, it um, you, you can see i have a smile on my face thinking about how many just batshit crazy candidates there are running for office in florida yeah, welcome to Florida. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, we got this will be a nice short one. What are you reading right now? I told you the last time we talked offline. I always like to hear what you're reading. Uh, you got anything good right now? Oh my God! You know my mind is so fried. I'm reading a really good book, and I could not tell you the title or the author. 
Oh, uh, good. <laughs> Must be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I am with pretty much any uh, book I'm reading, but it's about a... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't made. matter. It's unknown it's by unknown. A, <laughs> it, it is a, it's a woman author, and it's kind of a purplish pink cover. <laughs> and it's about a, uh, a woman that works in a uh, abortion clinic in Boston. And oh, wow. It involves a, a pot dealer and an abortion clinic worker and uh, some sort of operation rescue extremist person, but it's a terrific book. Whatever it is, uh, somebody can email me and I'll look on my bedside and tell you what the title is. That's funny. You still, and you're still in the Berg, right? You're still living in, in downtown St. Pete or did you move yeah, over I mean, there? For I, have to move. I will have to move to Tampa at some point, but I just, the prices right now, it's, I haven't found the place. Are you required to live in? Is Are you like that person that just quit or whatever? Directors that have to be under the charter have to live in Tampa. And so I've gotten, I think I can get some extensions. Uh, uh, so there are quite a few people that are in that same boat that have, that are adjusting. In fact, our excellent city attorney just resigned because of this. She went, she got her three extensions and then uh, couldn't, moves as she resigned that seems like such a like a like a bygone rule in a way and then like uh it does kind of I, i'm not sure there's a lot of support for it but i i get it yeah you know, I, get it. I i like i guess like if you're a cop like and you have a take-home car you should have like we have a city of tampa i think cop over in shore acres over here um and i always see the car there and i'm like what does that do for anybody like well, then you start to have a situation where, especially with, I think they had this in St. Pete, they require some of their lower level employees to live in the city because they were hiring people. There were, there were complaints. They were hiring people from outside the city rather than yeah. giving jobs to people in the city. But uh, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, which city? Uh, I mean, I know you're the, I know your job, but the rivalry well in fact you don't have to choose which city is better but where do you think the state of the rivalry uh between saint pete and tampa is which you know it's been going on uh, for as long as i've grown up in saint pete i think that you know tampa was the all-american city in the 80s and obviously like david fisher rick baker you know there was the first saint pete renaissance kind of turned it around um then you know i think vinnick buckhorn uh may have pulled it back when like Bill Foster was mayor of St. Pete, then it felt like it felt kind of even. It felt like, you know, there was all this excitement about what's going on in downtown Tampa. I think the Riverwalk is like one of the best, like that so solved downtown Tampa in a way. Um, but it seems like St. Pete, I mean, it just feels- I don't feel like there's like, that much of a rivalry anymore. I, I mean, I feel like that was sort of the era of Rick Baker who was wanting to be rivals with everybody and be very parochial. I don't think there is that. I do think it's been this ebb and flow. When I first came to Tampa Bay in uh, 1849, uh, any young person that worked at the St. Pete Times wanted to live in South Tampa. And then at some point, uh, any young person, until very recently, any young people that came to those jobs wanted to live in St. Pete. And now I think it's pretty even. And there's so many exciting things going on in Tampa with Water Street and Riverwalk and everywhere that I think these are just two really hip, cool cities. 
Well, and that's not just me talking as a flag. No, I no, I, I, I have basically the same assessment. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I love, um, you know, I love that we're able to chat like this. For those who don't know it, Adam uh, was, um, Adam was the one who um, kind of outed Michelle and I that we were dating uh, on Twitter back in um, 2011. We saw him like late at night. We ducked into St. Pete Brasserie. We're at the bar. Um, and uh, Adam put out well, a great we lived tweet. at that bar, bar that we, we lived at that, yeah. It wasn't, and he was like Amore in a Chris world or something, Amore in Florida politics. And I think it was like our only our first date, like out. And so, um, it, in a way, you may have kept us together because it's like, well, if you know, everybody knows about it, we can't just break up with each other after you know one week. So, uh, you were there at the, at the very beginning, so we're always indebted for that. And so, thanks for coming on. Uh, please say hi to Mayor Castor for us. Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. All right, man.